Now, you're not in the best location for recording compared to what you've told me to do. Uh, No, that's very much the case, yeah. But in order to soundproof (laughs) this, I live in a concrete jungle. I mean, you know, there's literally concrete walls right next to me. I mean, the ceilings are, you know, like... 12 feet up in the air those are all you know concrete these windows are not great for sound either (laughs) hello i'm annette and thank you for listening to my podcast today i'm really excited to interview my son darwin who does uh, darwin carlisle who uh, has first class reels in los angeles downtown los angeles And he does filming, he does film editing, he does uh, my podcast uh, editing. And I think over time he has learned a lot about sound. I mean, certainly he he learned some of that in college and since through his work. But he's really uh, been a miracle worker for me in a lot of my sound issues in my in my faux pas around recording in various in a sundry locations and just basically my ineptitude at times. So thank you, Darwin, and welcome. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. And I would say that in on the subject of sound, it's just a one continuous story of ineptitude that runs through all of us. That's pretty <laughs> much the, the 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 logic and practice of sound is to remove all the flaws which you can never remove all of them. So we're all kind of struggling always to kind of get the most clarifying sound possible. So I learned to use Audacity in my uh, in my course on the Podcasting Fellowship. And uh, I've struggled with it a little bit. I mean, if it's a clean interview and the sound situations are good, I can do my own editing but there have been a few times, so certainly, uh, where I've asked you to rescue my sound. Mm-hmm. And I thought we might do a few before and afters there uh, of examples of where you took some of my sound that was almost non-existent <laughs> or was really flawed and the before and afters of some of those pieces. But first, let's talk about the various things that are important for sound. Uh, so I am recording... I'm going to talk about my equipment. I'm recording through a USB mic to Squadcast on my computer, on my laptop. I'm recording to my H6 Zoom recorder via an XLR mic uh, that that I've had. And so we'll have two audio sources for me. I am in a closet that I've recently converted and uh, to a sound booth uh, largely at some of your advice on how to do it, and I'm surrounded by foam panels. <laughs> but that's for sound, not for <laughs> needing to be in a foam-padded room. So, uh, so, and I've done my best to really try to remove any distractions. I've made sure that my phone isn't going to ring, uh, my watch isn't going to ding, my, my alerts are off on my computer, and... So hopefully the sound will come out pretty good. Right. And, you know, it is always like it's easiest sometimes to notice sound when you start to discover the absence of it. Um, Because obviously one of the things that is true of sound is that we live in these complex jungles of sound competition where there's consistent sound 
competing for our attention all of the time. And many of these sounds, you know, the hum on the electrical appliance that's right next to you all the time, they just kind of start to blend in. You know, I have a fountain for my cat that's in the background right now. And you just start to kind of like drone all of that out and and filter it out. And what's really amazing living in downtown Los Angeles is that I live in like the fabric district. So there are all these stores that are just rows and rows and rows of giant, you know, poles wrapped with fabric. And when you walk into one of those stores, the first thing you notice, or at least the first thing I notice, is the sound absorption. Like, you cannot find a place that is quieter. And 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 having that just surreal experience walking out from, like, busy Los Angeles into one of those stores gives you a sense of when you actually can start to remove a lot of these sounds, it's... Well, I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is sound is the movement of air. That's fundamentally what sound is. Sound is vibrations, energy vibrations that pulse through the air in waves, you know, like a amplitude of, of, of powerful effects of energy that then get filled with a void of, of, the, of the, like the reverse negative effect of energy. That's why you see a sound wave that goes up and down and up and down. You see that line. Uh, if you ever zoom in frame by frame, you'll notice that there's like a line going up and down and up and down. And that's 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 amplitude. It's, it works exactly the same as an ocean wave of sorts. Like it's up and then down and up and then down. And fundamentally, those are just coming at you all the time. The deeper sound waves are much longer and larger and more forceful. The higher sound waves are much shorter and thus easier to you know uh, filter out. And uh, you know that's that's. Uh, that's the starting kind of like salve on how to think about like sound and how to get rid of it. So you're recording not in a padded cell, so to speak. Sure. But, but you're in a room uh, behind you. I see large glass windows. Uh, I know above and to your side and below you are concrete walls and floors and ceilings. So you're you're not in the most ideal situation. Maybe, maybe you should go to one of those fabric stores. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, I mean, that's kind of one of those situations that you've immediately run into. Like th- th- there's no perfection in sound. You know, if you w- look at any Hollywood movie, 80% of the lines that the actors are saying are ADR, you know, so that they're recorded after the fact, because it's so profoundly difficult to get a good audio recording for even professionals. Like there's only so much, that good equipment will do to, you know, like filter out. If there's like plane flying overhead, the best equipment in the world won't save you from that because fundamentally sound is just the recorded patterns of our voice. And if we have something competing with our voice that crowds out the frequencies and and competes with the frequencies of our vocal ranges, then you've just got an absence of information there. You know, it's just, it would be the same as if somebody stood in front of the camera um, you know, like whenever you took a picture, so you you can't you can't um, you can't filter out those types of things. But you know, like you can make small steps, and that's basically what I've done. I live in a big, yeah, as I said, like concrete jungle. You know, like 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 concrete barrier of a room, and so I do what I can to get the best recording that I have. Now, when you listen to this, you will hear a clear reflection, and that's the thing that you're always trying to avoid. Fundamentally, you emit sound and you try not to get that sound to to reflect back 
on you. And the number one place that it's going to do that is actually the computer right in front of you. So what I have is actually a, uh, you know, like, and you can't see this on the podcast, I'm sure, but I have a uh, shotgun microphone. Uh, You can see this, Mom. And uh, it's it's got a homemade pop filter that I made myself out of a cranberry uh, plastic thing. And this is a, this right here is a drying uh, sheet. And uh, this is a hanger right here, and this is a little pipe cleaner, and this is a little tube from a medical device, and so that is uh, that a is DIY desi- pop filter. I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a DIY pop filter, and uh, it's especially important when you have a shotgun microphone as opposed to what is more useful for a podcast, which is, a, which is kind of a condenser, omnidirectional microphone. Um, so I get the best audio that I can, and I don't sweat it beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, Audacity is one of the uh, software uh, applications that we were recommended to use. Uh, Authonic, I know, is one that a lot mm-hmm. of folks have put it through after or they've done everything they can through uh, through Audacity. But you use a different software. What do you, is it you I use? I do. I, I use Logic, which is a phenomenal program, and it's certainly uh, the best program you can get for the price. The industry standard is Pro Tools, but I've met many people who use Logic for advanced sound editing. And, you know, the great thing about Audacity to begin with, and, and it's just as you mentioned, if you get good sound, which is completely possible to do for not that a lot of money, you do not need that complicated of edi- editing software to just tell a story. Because fundamentally, you're, all you're trying to do is tell a story when you're, when you're podcasting. And I look at what I do as a similar thing to when you go to the eye doctor and they put a lens in front of you say, now, is it A or B that's clearer than that? And fundamentally, I'm just trying to approach that clarity and just filter out the rest. And so Audacity does a very good job of giving you the audio that you've taken. It can ha- it has a couple of tools within it that can strongly advance the the sound and just make it a little more clear. But there are a lot of things for a lot of more complicated problems and obstacles that may present themselves for which you need more advanced software. I mean, I'll just put it this way. I have used 3D rendering software on my uh, MacBook uh, 2018. I've edited videos on it with complex graphics. The only thing I've ever done that has really like tasked my computer to the max has actually been certain plug-in effects that I use in Logic. So audio software, when it's actually running on an advanced algorithm, can be really doing a lot of business from a computational standpoint that can advance your audio but it's it's bells and whistles that sometimes you know like it's like if if you ask are the top auditing like are the are the top podcasts using this yes you watch any t- tutorial about how they edit this american live or anything like that they're using a lot of the same plugins that i'm using isotope is one of the most famous ones um i got it on a, a, a cheap discount back in the day but i think it's about 130 dollars. it's just a generic vocal enhancing plug-in i have another one that's called a crumble pop you know it's au noise reduction and a couple of those plus just like a lot of other things you want to drill into the pan left and right which i actually do more than you may realize advanced effects that help kind of subtly put a little extra emphasis in the audio in places where I want it to go. All of those things, you you need a more advanced software to do. Well, let's talk about some of my podcast 
faux pas, at least. And the first one that comes to mind is when I interviewed both Gary and Linda Pittner back-to-back mm-hmm. yeah. in our playroom because you insisted our playroom was, at the time, the best place to record. And it is. It's, you know, it's carpeted. It has a bouncy-looking ceiling. Can, can I – well, actually, can I cut you off real fast and say why the playroom is such a great yeah. like, like location real fast? Just because I've always, like it, – it is not just good. It is the best – location for sound short of an actual studio that I've ever been in. And there are a lot of factors that contribute to that. Number one, breaking uh, uh, deep bass waves uh, is much harder than breaking high-frequency waves. And it's a little more complicated of a subject because fundamentally, if you've ever been in a room and then you hear this like deep bassy rumble from your neighbors or from a helicopter outside, you'll notice it's, it's deep sounds that are coming through these long waves that can just fundamentally just travel through everything unbroken. And the, the process of sound is not just to, to, to muffle that, it is actually to break those waves apart. And the tiered ceiling, you have like an inset ceiling above you, helps break those deep audio waves, as does the pool table, which is a, a massive contribution to the sound environment in there. And another important thing about that room that is extremely useful is that it's not a square. It's not a rectangle. It's it's oblong, which means when you when your voice travels, it breaks in a different direction. And so if you go into Capitol Records, which I had the honor of doing a long time ago, you're going to find a round room with a lot of oddly shaped rectangular uh, wooden panels on the wall. And those exist to break deep bass and the roundness exists so that when your voice echoes off of the wall it breaks in a different direction and doesn't come right back at you and again like if you're hearing this you're probably hearing a bit of a reflection in my voice because my voice is directly bouncing off of these flat surfaces right next to me but that's something that anyway that is something that the playroom (laughs) and and of course you have the carpet and lots of uh furniture in there as well there's a lot of amazing audio just like aspects of that room well, great. And since, not with the Pitners, I recorded on the table, but since then I've decided recording the pool table is great because I put one mic at one end and one mic at the other, and we can sit opposite each other. And we did that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when I interviewed Rod Schroeder, uh, Glenda Moore, uh, your dad for the for the pandemic episode. Right. Uh, and so those sounds are directly <laughs> taken in that room at the pool table. And if folks want to lease out that room, I might (laughs) might consider that (laughs) for our sound studio in Amarillo. Let's go back to the Pittners, and I'll start, I'll just talk about Gary's because his is the first one. And so Gary is, uh, you know, a good friend, and we're sitting across the table from each other. And at one point early on, the heater comes on because it was back in cooler weather. And I jump up to go turn the heater off, you know, pause the interview, go turn the heater off. And then when I come back, I must have bumped my Zoom. And so, and and at that point, I was only recording to the Zoom, a uh, little portable recorder. And I have to think I turned my gain down to zero because from then on, you can hear Gary's track just fine, but mine, you can't, I mean, you can barely hear me. Mm-hmm. So I know at this point you will intercept, you know, 
intersperse some sound of the before and after. Mm -hmm. So you can appreciate how you brought that back up. Great community support groups or, you know, organizations that really knows what's going on, really involved in a lot of things. I mean, briefly, how did you? Sure. And, you know, the task of the audio engineer or the audio editor or anything like that is basically to separate you from the noise floor. And the problem is when you get your gain turned down a lot. And I'm still convinced that, it, like, or, or I, I don't remember, was it possible that you might have, like, uh, bumped the uh, electrical signal, uh, like, like, sorry, the XLR cable, uh, and that might have, like, just sort of got come loose a little bit, you know, like, I, I, I can't There's remember. no telling. There's no telling. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so you did have a very, 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 very quiet voice, and that is something where, fundamentally, right, like, when you're rescuing audio and you bring that up, you bring all these other garbled sounds with it, and so you're trying to separate that out. A lot of people don't know about our councils of governments. Mm -hmm. And I have found the PRPC as one of our great community support groups. And that's something that is extremely difficult to do because in, you know, like fundamentally, you have to really understand what the voice is doing. Like when you're actually speaking and you're pushing out these sounds you have to learn really how to how to how to mirror that in the edit and that's where something like kind of like a noise gate comes in to help like 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 comes into utility a lot because fundamentally that takes a certain level of gain let's say that you are hovering okay so fundamentally uh you know like a, a great sound record your voice would be hovering somewhere between negative 28 db and negative 6 dB. That would be like, let's say, the optimal recording. Over that, and you risk clipping, wherein there is no more audio information being transmitted. It's just loudness. And then underneath that, you start to get closer and closer to the noise floor, which let's say is around negative 50 or negative 60 dB. And at that point, just all like the other sounds that are happening are competing with your voice. And so let's say your voice is hovering instead of between negative 28 and negative 6, let's say it's hovering between negative 58 and negative 36. So you are already hovering on the cusp of when you speak low, like, and you kind of like drop your voice like this, it's completely gone. So what you can kind of do is you can have the audio kick in harshly at negative 58 dB or something like that and just drop all sound from it completely after that. So you you throw that filter on and you'll start to know that, uh, you know, like you'll hear <laughs> the kind of the break-ins yeah. and the breakouts. So you have to get it just right and then go in and finesse it. Maybe maybe like I'll manually boost your gain. And this is actually, this is this kind of goes into why I like to use logic because a lot of audio engineering is very much informed by like the order in which you do things. So if I raise your voice up and then put a compression filter on it, which is an extremely, extremely important filter that you use in every single thing, you know, like that's going to have a different effect than if I put the EQ uh, first and then the compression. And there's a lot of theory that goes into when to use certain, like certain filters. And a lot of it is trial and error. So like a noise gate is a really good way to make sure that you are 
kind of mimicking when the voice stops, like you, you stop hearing the sounds of your audio track. And then you can have it where it, it slopes gently in and out. And, and you can start to kind of mimic some of the effects of the voice. And then after that, you can also boost certain EQ frequencies to make it sound more natural, right? You know, essentially, you're, just, you're always trying to put out fires. Because here's the thing. I mean, everybody's audio messes up. It's so easy to mess up audio. It is. There are so many different things. There are so many different things. Like, and, and people are people. And especially now, if you're recording somebody else, like you've had guests with dogs in the background, you know, you've had guests who didn't quite know how to record their audio and where is the microphone positioned directly toward them or is it positioned a little bit away? There are so many little factors that make huge differences in sound, which is why professional, you know, like sound record, like, like you know, uh, uh, radio shows and podcasts and everything like that, like, it, you know, in theory, they like to get people into a studio. So they have complete control and have somebody actually listening to it while it's happening. Because fundamentally, if you're not doing that, so many things can go wrong. And it's very difficult to fix it after the fact. And that's a good point. And knock on wood, I've not had any of that (laughs) completely happen. Although that first one I thought was so uh, speaking of loud, (laughs) when I, of course, I, I, I deliberately purchased stuff I could carry with me and get Mm -hmm. really good recordings in lots of different situations. Because when I started this, I traveled a lot, uh, as I typically do, although I'm not doing that right now. So most of my current interviews are, there's a few in person, but mostly uh, they're via Squadcast or Mm -hmm. Zoom, or Zoom, depending on who I'm interviewing. But at one of them, uh, I interviewed my friend Charlie Johnson. Well, he's mm-hmm. got this big, deep bass voice, booming voice, and you get him mm-hmm. excited about talking about public education, and he's talking right into the mic, and he's preaching his gospel about <laughs> standing up for public schools, and that's why I love him. Mm-hmm. But his voice, compared to my voice, I was just like, when I would listen to it, when I imported it to uh, Audacity, I was like, oh, Darwin, you've got to clean this up. So. <laughs> yeah. And I certainly don't want to frighten pastors. You don't have to be an expert, but you do have to know a little more than that house member knows. <laughs> Which isn't and, always hard. Uh, it's not it depends, always it depends hard. On who it and, is. Hey, we've got great representatives, sure. and I'm just kidding, and I hope they would laugh with us on that. It is always the case that Every every voice is different. Like every voice kind of like comes through the most clearly in different frequency ranges, which have different cadences to them. Theoretically, we like hearing voices where we can hear like kind of like the breath, the 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 the, the nuance. That's just something that we generally gravitate to as humans whenever we're listening. And yeah, like I have a naturally extremely like loud projecting voice. That's kind of who I am. And so I and, and obviously dad does too, although in his <laughs> podcast I think he kind of like reined that in just a little bit. Um, but the yeah every single person has different different ways that they're vocal you know like not just like the sounds they emit but but the personality that comes through is something that you're always wanting to wanting to capture and it's it's extremely easy to lose a lot of that because yeah like obviously with with you know charlie charlie johnson you know he he you know like it's easy to clip 
the 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 microphone if you're like blasting into it but then you know like a lot of voices have larger vocal ranges than the microphones that we're you know picking up and then again is why you throw something like a compressor on it which fundamentally narrows the dynamic range a little bit because you know whenever you talk about compression especially the um you know just you, you want to kind of filter it into the sort of like mainstream frequencies so that you'll make sure that as it gets played across devices and you know throughout all these different algorithms and compressions these frequencies will survive you know because if you've got extreme bass or extreme high frequencies a lot of compressions will filter those out well and and talking about hearing the whole range of voices I've had to, you know, interview a few few of my friends in interviews uh, just via phone. I mean, through the Zoom that would record, but it was just on phone. I, I do like, like Squadcaster Zoom where you can see each other and, uh, you know, interact, uh, but not necessarily use the video from it. Um, my, my Brandy Heathers was my first one there, Sarah Goldrick-Robb. Uh, Shanna Peoples, and all those were in situations where they just needed to be on the phone, which is fine. And but you can hear it in the in the in the audio of my podcast. But mm-hmm. uh, but that's okay. I mean that's normal podcasting. But yes, uh, ideally, you know, for me, I'm face to face with you, sitting apart, so that we're not picking up each other's mics, and I've got the cables spread out across whatever, the pool table or the table or whatever. Um, one time I did that was. My friend David Anderson's conference room on the ninth floor or whatever in downtown Austin, and it was unusually windy for Austin. It was some a storm was coming through, and you mm-hmm. could hear the wind whistling through his sure. window. Yeah, and honestly, David was has been my easiest podcast to edit, and I I just thought that almost added something, so I mm-hmm. left it. I think you look at the history of modern education, and, and we go back to Gilmer Aiken Acts of 1949 when modern ed was really created. The Gilmer Aiken Act in the 1970s, the move from a classroom teaching unit to uh, ADA and then weighted average daily attendance as the fundamental manner of funding public schools. David didn't do any ums or ahs or, you know, anything, so he was real easy to edit. But that had that added sound to it. So, you know, that's part of being in Texas. So, Well, yeah, I mean, very much so. I mean, sound, again, is all around us. It's competing for our attention. When you're listening to this, there are other sounds that are competing with it, you know, right now. And that, that, is, that is the flip side of all of this, is the truth of the matter is, research shows that high quality sound is massively important to people. There was like a study that I, I've, I've been unable to find where over time they tracked people who listened to uncompressed music versus compressed music, and they found those who listened to uncompressed music were happier. There was a re- research that I did link to, which is that people found uncompressed audio like speakers to be more trustworthy than those with noisier audio. So the reason to have good sound is clear. It, 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 it adds a certain professionalism and access to you and your storytelling voice that you can otherwise not have. But, but the flip side of that is that our ears fundamentally are designed to not care about all of these things that I'm talking about. Well, we are looking for patterns constantly. And when you have garbled voices, you will 
stare at it as the editor and think to yourself, this is the worst audio I have ever heard. I'm sure you've had that moment. But when you play it for someone else, they don't think about it that way. You're hearing every bump, you're hearing every globble, you know, um, and thing like that. They're thinking about the ideas. They're thinking about what you're pointing to. They're thinking about the actual story. Like, listeners do not hang on every audio mistake the way we perceive them to. Much of what's going on in audio quality, both good and bad, happens in a very unconscious part of our brain because our ears are so effectively trained to seek out the words and the meaning and 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 move to that part of it unconsciously. And so we're really, really good at picking out and navigating around and filling in blanks and understanding what the meaning was behind all of these things. Well, that's reassuring to those of us who are podcasters. <laughs> but if, if your listener is a podcaster and is now suddenly paying a lot more attention to sound... We're listening to that. <laughs> we're hearing, sure, we're yes. hearing those bumps and we're hearing those squawky well, because, noises. But, 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 but because, because, like, uh, yes, the more you edit out the noise floor and the other stuff, like, you start to approach a place where it can sometimes sound tinny or weird. And a lot of sound artifacts happen, especially for me in the high ranges. You know, like, a, a, a perpetual problem are, you know, like the P's and the S's. S's are a perpetual frustration for me because they exist in these really high frequencies at breakneck levels that there's actually a filter called the de-esser, which is just to de-ess your S's. And if you do that right, you can make a voice sound so much better. But if you do it even mildly incorrectly, you'll end up hearing this weird, almost sounds like an alien machinery in the background. And so, yeah, there are a lot of sounds that are competing with your voice on a, on a track that sometimes maybe just leave them in, you know, like it, it is fundamentally a question of like, what exactly is the desired effect here? Because I mean, a lot of these things are abstract. A lot of it, it's art and there's no right or wrong answers. Sure. And some of us care about that more than others. And I know that some of my fellow podcasters are like, edit the least you can and ship it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's their philosophy and that's their approach. Uh, mine is to ship it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I trust you to edit out my my goofs and, and, and you mostly do that. And and if you don't, I uh, I call you back and say, hey, you need to take out where I stumble here or sure. whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, and I, I, I will say if you are one of those types of people, like the two things that I just I cannot recommend enough is just a light compressor. It's the the filter, and I think it's in Audacity should be here. It's called a uh, compressor. And just literally just like put that on it and it should be pre-arranged to help just slightly boost it. And the other thing that I think is so important that nobody really thinks about is is uh, the channel EQ, just e- e- equalization fundamentally. Um, one thing that I do for you and for all of my guests is you basically, you throw on a channel EQ and you find the, the part of the frequencies that sounds really bad to you. And I know it's a very abstract thing to say, but trust me, if you do it a couple times, you'll start to learn. Find those frequencies and then just reduce them slightly and you will notice that the voice sounds amazing like in a way that you couldn't you can't put your finger on why interesting i know i always take it through a normalization normalization is a similar effect to yeah. compressor yeah i think a good one to close with is 
I always knew you did a really good job on editing my audio, and I appreciate that. And what we do is I upload it to Dropbox. It's a shared folder with you. You deal with it in your time frame, and then text me a link to the edited audio, and I say <laughs> yay or nay. And and if it's yay, I download it and post it to Simplecast. Uh, and I've it's very much helped me you know, become that weekly podcaster that, that I'm trying to do right now. And, but during the summer, I've moved to these summer shorts. And really the first one I did was for the 4th of July. And all I had was some video I had taken uh, from the front porch of a rainstorm. It, you know, it's significant because it was really our first rainstorm for the year, and it was uh, it was quite a thunderstorm. I didn't catch any of the really loud thunder booms, sadly, but mm-hmm. it was it was still good. But when I heard what you how you had put that together in my Fourth of July release. In the Texas Panhandle, this is the big deal. We haven't had rain in months and months. It's June. You had done something to it to make it sound almost magical and make me sound a lot more professional than what I know I sent you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, it, the, the great thing about sound is when you can really, when you put a little effort into it, you there is a level where it sounds like really professional that you can just, just luxuriate in how just pl- pleasant it sounds. And fundamentally, I think that is about, again, like it's, it's clarity and effect and mood. And so what I did was I just threw a little bit of a slight reverb on some of those audio sounds. And the other trick that is just really important besides channel EQ, obviously, I think I boosted the, the bass uh, frequencies and the high frequencies. So bass frequencies, you hear the thunder. High frequencies, you hear the rain. But the mid frequencies are where the vocals are, and so you you dip those down. And I can even take a picture of it and sh- send it to you. You the voices coming through, so you basically have the same loudness, but there's three different frequency ranges, and that just helps the ear understand it better because you can really isolate these three, you know, like arenas of sound. And the other thing that I think is just really important in sound that a lot of people don't think about, especially in podcasting, is panning. So a lot of those thunder sounds are actually subtly panning back and forth from left ear to right ear. And and just a little of that helps to create this sense of space. And that's fundamentally what you're going for when you're wanting to make somebody feel really immersed into a sound is the idea that you're like sitting in it or, you know, like in, immersed in it. And so a lot of people describe sound as a three-dimensional space with the loudness being like the Z-axis from front to back, the pan being from, you know, like the, the Y-axis or the X-axis from left to right, and then the frequencies from bass to high frequencies 
being the uh, the y-axis from uh, up and down. And, and so, you know, a lot of times when you're mixing a complicated song, if, you ever, if you're like Katy Perry and, and you've got like 80 tracks going on, your audio engineers are very much thinking about that three-dimensional space and say, okay, I'm going to put the, the, the guitar, you know, like, kind of like in the back left and i'm going to put the vocals in like the front and i'm going to put the drums in the back right and 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 then obviously you're swirling those around a lot and just trying to like adjust it and 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 you're you're essentially just trying to tell a story to the human ear and you have to understand that a lot of what you're doing is not going to be noticeable you're not going to to name and know that oh that was on the left and now it's on the right you're not really thinking about it in that way you want people to fundamentally listen and appear and pay attention to the thing you want them to pay attention to which in podcasts is always the story so yeah it was fun doing that storms one because i was able to put the emphasis on the sound and when the emphasis is you're you're wanting to hear the sound itself you can have a lot of fun with it in ways that can be really pleasing to the you know like the experience of the story Well, I know you do a lot of video work, and that's a, probably a whole nother <laughs> podcast. But I mean, I can only imagine how complicated it is to try to pull all those things together in multiple sources. And, you know, at my just, you know, low level knowledge of, of editing, it's it's pretty amazing. So if folks are interested in finding out more about your work, where would oh, they yeah. go? And I'll put the links in the You, you in can the go to firstclassreels.com. You can drop me a line. You can check out some of my reels. You can, there's also like a slash podcast where you can check out what I've done with the with the world of podcasting. You know, in, in general, that this is kind of what I do for the most part, especially during the pandemic, has been editing podcasts exclusively. But I edit video consistently and I film video consistently as well. So, yeah, if you have any other questions about podcasts, because I understand, I mean, like, this is the, this, this is the thing, and this is, like, why Audacity is such a beautiful program anyway. It's, like, it's a democratization of storytelling. Fundamentally, nobody is better than anybody else, I think, at storytelling on, like, a deep level. Everybody knows how to tell a story, and everybody has stories that they respond to. So the question is, how do you tell that story? And if you want to make it a story that resonates with some depth and has the, some production quality to it, how do you do that? Well, I think the the hard truth is that, yes, good quality sound makes a difference. And no, it is not easy. You know, <laughs> it is not easy at any step. It is just as difficult as video, if not harder, because it's grotesquely unforgiving. So if you can do it right then it's extremely easy. But if you do it wrong, yes, you will throw your computer through the window at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on that note, so to speak, um, I'll, I'll go back to my podcast with my ukulele instructor, uh, Brett Boyer. And um, we, Dad and I listened to that in the car uh, recently. And Brent's voice, he's a little soft because he's kind of leaning back from mm -hmm. the mic, and then he turns to his desk sometimes. Right. But it's still it's a great interview, but he's also got an instrument in right. front of him. So he's trying to use that instrument in the uh, in in the podcast so episode. And I think it's really interesting that when he first sent me, he does he and his daughter did the recording for my. Uh, intro and outro music, and, and he sent me some, and then I sent him a link to just, you know, a, a briefly edited, back in my early days of editing podcast, 
but nothing that went out. And he's like, oh, my gosh, there's too many, you know, there's too many sounds that shouldn't be there. Let me go record it in my recording studio. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he he pulled out all his gear and recorded it much more professionally than I had done when I was sitting in front of him, you know, with with the microphone right. kind of in front of him. So it was, you know, he, he certainly hears that because he spent a life working in sound, which, you know, music, mm-hmm. of course, is sound. And uh, I hadn't even noticed that until he pointed out those those bangs on the, you know, on the actual ukulele and uh, on the body. But so maybe we'll just close now and you can hear some of that pretty music. And thank you, Darwin. Thank you for being on my podcast and, you know, elucidating the world of sound for my mm. listeners and for me. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to chat about sound. It's probably the most fascinating subject, I think, that like I found for the past couple of years, at least. Well, you sound like you know a lot more about it than I do. But thank you again for being on here, and thank you for listening to Annette on Education.